Not bitter, just better. The all-new Everton Podcast. Do you know what? I don't like just opening with our little intro because that generally means that we haven't scored at the weekend. Bad, that, isn't it? Not only did we not score, I don't think there was any moment of note whatsoever, was there? No, no, but we'll get to that in a sec. Anyway, this is a not bitter, just better Everton podcast. Yes, As it is. always, Mr. Johnny Seven here with Mark Mach. Uh, yeah, I'm still here. You still haven't got rid of me. Yeah, and as we just alluded to, we will start off with a bit of reflection on the Palace game at the weekend. And it should only take a couple of seconds, really, shouldn't it? Because there wasn't much to talk about. I'll sum it up in one word, Dawe. Yeah, that pretty much does it. But we'll still do a little bit of reflection. Um, basically, the team lineups came in and it was unchanged from the week before, which was a little bit of a surprise to us, wasn't it? Because we thought... I was. I must admit, I was surprised. I expected Barkley to, to go back in. I expected it to be probably a little bit of a shuffle round. I think I mentioned last week, I thought Delefeu may start this game. Uh, and I was surprised to see... McCarthy starting as well because I thought maybe obviously with the the risk of the yellow card that you might be given a little bit of a rest but now it was a uh, no change at all from um, the week before yeah so we, we did talk about Barkley coming in and whether it would be for Osman or not and we were debating who he'd come in for and as it was he didn't come in for anyone until about 60 minutes into the game so I don't know whether what that said. I don't think he's going to stick with the uh, the same lineup again. But we'll come to that again a little bit later on. Do you think at the moment he's given him a rest because he thinks he's tired or he's burned out, or do you think he has actually been dropped for a reason? I think he's trying to play it safe a little bit and you know protect him a little bit and put Osman in there. But I don't know. I mean, can you really see the sense though if you've got? Obviously, the Derby's coming up as our next league game. Can you see the sense in resting them in the league game prior to the Derby if there's internationals that he is likely to be involved in in between? Because, obviously, that needs... Basically, we've rested them for England, haven't we, rather than ourselves? Yeah, and again, we'll come on to that because he's probably going to get a run out for England. Um, no, I don't. And it, it, there's the old saying, it's like, well, it's just different managers that have different views on this kind of stuff, don't they? You know, if you're old enough, you're good enough, and like you don't want to protect these players when you're that young, you should be fit enough to play every single game and 90 minutes of every game. But because of the impact that he's made on, you know, he's obviously broke through into the international scene, he doesn't want to burn him out mentally, I suppose. Don't know. That's the only reason I could think. Well, on, in hindsight, it looks like it was probably the wrong choice over the last two games, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what I was trying to, you know, put a question out on our Facebook. Um, do do we think that he got it wrong, Martinez, or do you think just the side let him down? Don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, well I think he, he has got it wrong because I think over the last two games we've lost a certain attack and flair. We seem to have lost a little bit of a spark and that can only really be attributed by Barkley because he's been the one who's been missing over the two games. Um, but let me, let me say this to you. Osman came in and produced a match-winning performance. 
you know, it, it, against uh, I can't remember against Villa. Against Villa, yeah. You know, he set up one and scored one. So it would be unfair to leave him out. Although he hasn't didn't make that impact against Spurs, you would have expected him to make more of an impact against Palace, would you not? Well, we don't. <laughs> We don't know, do we? Let, let's let's face it. I mean, to me, I would have played Barkley, uh, and you know, we went there. We didn't score. It ends up nil nil. We created very few chances. So I suppose that's the only real marker of, of you know what the decision did for the team. I thought, to be honest, Morales and Osman. Obviously, he saw that they weren't really contri- contributing enough. I, I'm going to put it out there. I think Morales, has, over the last three or four games, has been our worst player. I think he's in a terrible run of form, uh, and he's just not doing it at the moment but on the pitch. Just for, for those two, um, so he brought Barkley and Delafeo in for about half an hour each. Did they do enough in that half an hour, and that, did, in, even in the Spurs game before that? You know, it obviously got a little bit less time then. Did they do enough to warrant? Did they do more than Osman and Morales, is what I'm trying to say? Well, I would say probably not, but, you know, once a game has been getting played for an hour or, you know, 70 minutes and there's a pattern of play set out, you've got to, it's incredibly difficult to then come on and change the pattern of that game. So, you know, it's not the easiest thing to do in the world. So I, I never think that's a really a true reflection you know did they do better when they come on well probably not no but you know the, the game was already set in its ways wasn't it so they, they haven't had that chance to influence the game from the start and to get a grip on the game possibly yeah possibly but I mean you know my thoughts on Delafeu he, 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 um, he had a few little bursts again where he had a few you know little runs and a, a decent enough long ranger, but then Morales had a, a bit of a long ranger, but it didn't go in. So, you know, and um, Barkley had a long ranger, but Osman had an effort. So they kind of cancel each other out a little bit. I, I, I don't think it was a set that if Delafeo and uh, Barkley started, that they would have necessarily performed better than. Osman and Morales. It was just, I think it was one of those days on Saturday. No, that's true. And we're, we're never going to know that, are we? Because you can't rewind and, and replay the game. But but as you say, I mean, uh, in the first half, you know, the Blues had the line share of possession, but it was clear to anyone see Palace had the better of the chances and probably could have been a couple of goals up. Yeah, they had two, in, in particular, chances, which were like really, really golden chances. Like, uh, you know, a, a decent player would have put them away. Uh, like Dicky Choi, hopefully said that right again. Uh, had a free header, and uh, he closed his eyes, and it came off the back of his head. It was an actually unbelievable miss because it went in the opposite direction. It was like a, a defensive header. There's been a, a few of them popping up in the Premier League recently. Did you see Sissoko's for Newcastle the other day, no. where he's, he was defending the corner, and the, the corner comes in, and he's completely got his back to it, oh, and yeah, he just yeah, pings yeah, off his that. head, and it was a great defensive clearance. Yeah, I saw that actually. Yeah, um, but. How he how he put it the other way it's just beyond me. And then uh, another ball in from the other side, and Shamach had a free header, and he just he was like on you know, level with the left hand post, and he somehow managed 
to get it right the way across the other side of the goal and put it wide at the right hand post when and he was having a decent enough game as well yeah Schumacher didn't look too bad actually you know I think a lot of people tend to think he was a massive flopper Arsenal which he was uh, and thought a team like Crystal Palace shouldn't go anywhere near him because he's not going to help them in any way but I thought he looked he looked fairly sharp yeah um, also Thomas had a bit of a long ranger which uh, Howard did well to uh, tip over was that Jeff Thomas Jeff Thomas yeah <laughs> he's getting on he must be getting on a bit him now yeah he did well to come back from that injury in 1994 <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had a couple of chances there was one for, which was like kind of scooped uh, scooped wide by Osman and Lukaku just about missed getting his head on it which was a decent enough effort uh, again, no, I mean, there's another name. Lukaku, again, didn't have no, I, I, a game that we've come to expect from him. Well, he I, seems I, to have a little bit of a different form at the moment. A lot of people were shouting out for Jelovic. So, you know, over Lukaku. So, was anyone shouting for Velios? No, I think he was still missing at that point. Right, OK. Um, but, you know, we could have gone, that, we could have gone in a half-time, 3-0 down. And... You know, you'd think you know Martinez would have given you know give them a right rollicking, and by the looks of things, they came out and within seconds or one you know a minute or so, Thomas is running through one on one with Tim Howard, you know, and he, he dinked it over him. Lucky, luckily for us, it had the side netting, but it didn't seem to work. Whatever he said to them at half time, and it was pretty much the same again. Yeah, the second half was virtually a carbon copy of the first half, wasn't it? Uh, I say there were a couple of changes took place, sort of midway through second half after about an hour, uh, but didn't really didn't really affect the balance of play. We we had a little bit more of the attack and play, but no real great chances apart from um, right in the dying seconds, uh, a bit of a diving header from Jags hit the bar, comes out to Sylvan Distan, who we'll talk about a little bit more in a bit, and he's four yards out, and, but it comes right at him. It's like point blank kind of range, and he, he couldn't get his head around it enough and nods it wide. But that could have won it for us. Uh, but would we have deserved it? I don't know. It's one another one of those as we were talking about just before we started recording. What seventy three percent possession? But yeah, I mean, you look at the plus points you can take from the game. Uh, there's not that many, but you know, again, we dominated possession seventy three percent, as Johnny said. Uh, Another clean sheet away from home, which you know, I don't care what you say. There was so I put it out there on Facebook before this game that you know, are we running the risk risk of underestimating Crystal Palace? Did we have one eye on the derby? You know, everyone expected us to go there, and three points was a given. I was hearing scores of five nil, six nil, seven nil getting predicted, um, but you just can't think that way in the Premier League. Any team has the ability to beat anybody else. Yeah, I just thought we were a little bit past that, which is naive because nobody's past that. It can happen to any team, as you say. But we didn't get beat at the end of the day. We got a point away from home. Yeah. Now, if you're getting a point away from home, most teams will be happy with that, no matter where you go. I think the disappointing thing is, is we're a good side and they were poor. And that's what, you know, even on refle- even in the game, I would slightly disagree to the point where I would say we are a good side who are not playing well at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, we're still, we're, we're still, you know, we're fifth still, aren't we? And we're still, you know, five points off top. We could still go to, we can still catch second. So it's, 
it's not the end of the world. You know, we didn't lose. We got a clean sheet again. And that was, you know, that is a positive when you think about when Martinez came in and we talked about it before. We thought all the games were going to finish like 4-3 or 5-4. We got two, three, sorry, three clean sheets on the bounce now. So Yeah, I mean, and you look at, you look at the league table. Man City have already lost four games this season. Yeah, it's mad. They, away games, they just can't, they can't buy a win. Ourselves and Crystal Palace have the least defeats in the... Uh, not Crystal Palace, not Crystal. <laughs> Definitely not Crystal Palace. Ourselves and uh, our good friends down at Southampton yeah. have the least defeats in the league at just, at just one. So, I mean, if somebody had told me by now, you know, you're getting towards the end of November, Everton would have only lost one game and would have the least number of defeats in the league and would have lost three games less than Man City, I, I think I would have probably broke your wrist scrubbing that out of your hand. Yeah, just, I don't know, I, I just want to just say, but the disappointing side of it though again, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but it's just very similar in style to the first three games where we drew and we didn't, we did, you know, we, we should have, with the domination of possession, we thought it was a progression getting through, getting those wins, and we thought Lukaku might have been the key to turn it around, but obviously he played in the last two games and he didn't really have a sniff. I think probably what what we're suffering from at the moment is we strung a couple of good performances together and we all thought everything had gelled already. And then it was going to kick on. And we were going to just kick on like that through the season. But if you'd gone back to the time of the Norwich game, you know, what we were all saying is we need time for this to gel in. And we still do need time for it to, to, to click and come together. But I still think we're in a better position than I thought we would be. And yeah, I think we should have got three points at Crystal Palace. However, we didn't. We got a draw uh, and we, we have to move on for that. What, what I am feeling now is a bit of a like, a bit of tension and a bit of nervousness creeping back in with the Evertonians. And there wasn't a sniff of that like two or three weeks ago. And I think some of that was highlighted uh, after the game at Crystal Palace with uh, an incident there. Caused a little bit of a stay in the media. Yeah, so we, we'll leave the Palace game there, so to speak, and then we'll talk about that incident when we come back with the Everton news. News! Okay, as we suggested just before the news jingle, um, this time had a little bit to say about the Everton support on Saturday and it was picked up on by a bit of the media and a few Everton fans on Twitter as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think I've ever doubted that Silvan Distant is hard as nails, to be honest. I, I wouldn't definitely wouldn't take him on in a fight, uh, but I never expected them to front up to 5,000 screaming Evertonians at the end of a game. Well, to be fair to him, he, he defended his actions on Twitter which I don't think he, you know, he does love a bit of Twitter, does Sylvan, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think he needs to defend his actions at all, personally. But we'll, you know, we'll get to that our opinions on it in a sec. And said that he was addressing one person, one fan in the crowd, and that person knows who he or she is. And he was talking to them face to face. It just so happens that it did have to happen to be in a public forum when there were, well, as you say, a few thousand fans around this one fan and uh, they didn't all react too kindly to it. Well, he didn't and it blew up on social media and I, I couldn't believe some of the things I was reading on, on Facebook and Twitter, you know, the night it happened. 
I was reading Evertonians or so-called Evertonians saying, you know, this stands a disgrace. How dare he say anything back to the fans? Yeah, we pay his wages. We pay his wages. We pay our money to go and give him as much, you know, aggro as we want, and he's not allowed to front up to us. Um, but I, you know, I just find that ridiculous. If an Everton supporter wants to say something to this Dan, I have no problem with that, as long as it's not, you know, racist or you know, threatening or, or overly abusive. Uh, if an Everton fan wants to tell. Self understand, they think he's rubbish. Well, that's down to them. I, you know, I, I personally wouldn't, sl- don't really like slagging off Everton players uh, a great deal. I'd rather, especially at a game, because I'd rather try and give them a bit of support. Um, but if the fan can speak to Distan, then Distan can speak back to the fans. Yeah. You know, he has that right as a human being to, to defend himself. Yeah, fans have, just seem to have this mentality now that they're bulletproof because they've paid their 50 quid or whatever it means you're untouchable and you can say whatever you like and you can't say whatever you like or you know you, well for one you can't say whatever you like you know and also if you say something you've got to expect to, he didn't run into the crowd and start you know chilling people yeah he didn't do a cantonat you know what I mean he, he walked over he was remonstrating with one fan and from the pictures, there's a few fans giving it aggro. Um, there's a few fans looking like they, like they're ready to lynch him. Or, you know, it's it, d- disgraceful, that, isn't it? You know, and I, looking back on that game, I do not understand why this man was singled out. He did miss that, he, you know, it was a good chance that he missed. And I do remember, you know, this, you know, a few seasons ago where he came down towards the Gladys Street and he's kind of trying to remonstrate with the Gladys, but it was after like a. Like a bit of a, I think from what I can remember, a bit of a hide and a poor performance, and we lost. And then, you know, there was a lot of like, uh, like bad tempers going around then because we'd lost. And I, th- I don't think that was the best bit of uh, best move on his part then. But yeah, as you say, I just think it shows that he cares and he's I, got a bit of passion about the club. He's I mean, very vocal on Twitter, as you say. I bet you didn't see Delafeu coming over to the crowd and saying, "I bet Delafeu just pulled the sleeves down over his hands a bit more because he was cold and walked straight off at the end of the game." As we as we mentioned on one of the earlier podcasts, it was on our way back from the Man City game and we were both fuming because Kone was laughing his head off after we just you know he was walking off the pitch with um, Yaya Torre with a big smile on his face after we just lost 3-1 and he had a particularly poor contribution to that game. And he was criticised by Evertonians on social media for that. So you're not allowed to be jovial after a defeat uh, or a bad performance and you're also not allowed to be angry after a bad performance. So I, I like I like the fact that he's you know he's got that spirit and you know Heitinger can go up can go up to the crowd and you know fist pump and go yeah come on come on come on but Distan can't remonstrate you know and say you know or show maybe show appreciation to the crowd and then you know try and reason with a few others for, for booing and you know it's what's he done what's he done really to, to you know some well I'll tell you what he's done he, he, he's a centre back and he's kept a clean sheet yeah I, I don't know what more you can ask from the lad yeah. uh, okay so he misses a chance well, he's a centre half. He's not. A, he's not a centre forward. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I like. I, I, you know, I think it's good. You know, c- kind of have that. It shows that he's passionate. 
he was on Twitter and he was saying, you know, he defended the actions and he was saying he's going to leave it there or, you know, I'm paraphrasing there, but he's, he kind of said that he doesn't want to say too much because his words get twisted. Um, but which people, you know, I, I didn't see the Evertonian responses and I don't think I'd have liked to have done because you've got a lot of keyboard warriors giving them all kinds of grief. Um, well, I think it was sort of, you know, probably 70% to 30% in distance favour of Evertonian supporting him. Um, that's what we, we, I put a picture up on, uh, on, on Sunday of, you know, I'm in the crowd and there was that, you know, the one, one lad's face looks like he's the, in the middle of F-bombing at him. He looks like a, a bulldog chewing a wasp, doesn't he? Yeah, and uh, there's, there's a lot of just, you know, fans who were, you know, just looking at him kind of in agreement and showing concern. If you were that fan and you are listening to this, contact us and tell us why you were so upset with Tilvan. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a good idea. Yeah, um, but yeah. So your opinion is he didn't do anything wrong. No. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd go with that as well. Uh, you know, if he's going, I like, I like seeing a bit of passion. I like seeing footballers who aren't just you know saying yes sir, no sir, throwing out the party line, doing the same boring interviews, giving the same boring press conferences, the same boring interview, you know, media releases. They're actually not scared to say what they think, and, and and you know, Twitter does give them that that ability. So you know, Distan's been on Twitter since then, saying his piece on the matter, uh, and uh, good on. And there was no V signs, there was no FUs, there's no, yeah, just 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 blown out of proportion. You know, I think it was probably the mail that got hold of that. You know, saying it. Was, well, but yeah, the Daily Mail exactly. Yeah. So, so anyway, Blues, leave him alone. With Everton, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, big news this week. It appears that Roberto Martinez listened to last week's Crime Watch special where we were uh, trying to find out the whereabouts of Apostolos Velios. Well, yeah, I can update this because uh, following on from our appeal, he was located and he was found in the naughty corner in Roberto Martinez's office. Yeah, and why is that? Apparently, um, if what's come out this week is to be believed he has refused to go out on loan uh, with a number of clubs looking to to take him and give him a few games away from Evan see th- this news you know I've seen a number of articles uh, referencing the, this and it's saying his refusal to go out on loan is harming his first team chances at Evan hold on I don't think that makes much sense do you I don't know what first team chances he's talking about. So, you know, he's meant to look to examples like uh, Coleman and Barkley, who've gone out on loan and came back and had first team success. So, but if you're Valios and you're looking at the Everton front line and Achieve's gone, Kone's injured and before that was rubbish, Jelovic can't buy a goal, you've got Lukaku is our only decent in-form forward and his form's not, you know, over the past few games isn't, you know, amazing. I'm not saying he's, you know, he's not poor by any stretch of the imagination. If he thinks he's good enough to be able to, you know, play ahead of Jelovic, do you think he might have a shout? Well, 
He's clearly not in a manager's plans at the moment, is he? Well, he's not that, making a bench. That pretty much says it all. You know, all right, you can say we Kone's out now, so we've only got Lukaku and Jelovic as strikers, but Morales can play up yeah. top. Nate Smith can play in and around so, that you, area. So there are still probably four players ahead of him in that position. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, do you think this, this news coming out and the fact that Martinez has said that, do you think that he is, in saying that, he is saying he fancies... Those players ahead. Well, it's you must do. I think what Martinez is saying is, I don't really know what you can give me, Velios. So, go out on loan. Let's have a look at what form you're in. Get some competitive games under your belt, uh, and you know, and we'll take it from there. Because, as I say, if he was to go out to you know a championship club. He'd be getting good quality games. He'd be getting bashed about. He'd be getting hard games. Uh, and if he started scoring a few goals in the championship, then surely it'd do him the world of good. But let me say, like, with Barkley, he didn't really do anything. You know, he was an exciting prospect before he went on loan last season. He, that's all he was. He was an exciting prospect. He didn't make any contribution at all to any games. In fact, I'm sure if you spoke to some, you know, Sheffield Wednesday fans or Leeds fans, I'm sure they would say, "Oh no, he I, played really well." Yeah, for I'm us. saying, saying. You know, at Everton before he went on loan. Right, okay. Um, but Velios has come on, scored the odd goal, set up a few things, showed, you know, a lot of willingness to run around, contribute, good hold up play. You know, yeah, but I don't think there's anybody in the whole crowd who's ever gone, I tell you what, that Velios is brilliant. We should start him every single week. And he should be the first name on the team sheet, isn't No, it? but if, you know, if we're looking for a goal and we're, we're out of options, which we have been, you know, as I say, Jelovic's hold-up play hasn't even looked good. And, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Jelovic, as you know, and, and as the listeners will know, that we're both fans and, of Jelovic and we hope he can come good. But whenever Velios has come on, he's made some kind of contribution. He does the simple things like, you know, hold the ball up, lay it off, which you, you need to do to get your game back on. So, you know, what I'm, what I'm saying is he, he's made somewhat of an impact at Everton, Everton before going on loan so the thing that worries me slightly about this story is if you're a player for a football club then you're the employee of the football club and the team manager is is your boss basically so if your boss comes in to you and work and says right you've got to go and do something you go and do it don't you yeah so do you think if David Moyes last year had gone into Velios and said we're sending you out on loan Velios would have said no I don't know. I don't know. Well, Mo- he had the same problem with Moyes. He couldn't really get a sniff, could he? You know, he had the odd game. You know, when, when he when he made that contribution against he, the, the assist against Tottenham, and we thought he, he he had a bit of a shout to be on the bench for the next game, and then he disappeared for six months, which is what led to our missing persons appeal. Well, there is that. Well, I, I'm quite surprised that he doesn't want to go because I mean, if he's not getting a game here, surely you know a young lad he must want to play football. But maybe he wants to play. Football at Everton, but he's, he, he, I think I said on our last one, our last one that he, he made one under twenty one appearance, and I don't think he's fig, uh, figured at all for Alan Stubbs' side. So it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, him from here. I think. I mean, in doing not going, he might have just burnt all his bridges, and you know that's that's the harm that's happening. But you know, if if we get an injury, to you know. Could you see Morales playing up front in a derby, for example? 
if Lukaku, well, hopefully he won't have to. No, but if Lukaku's injured and Jelovic is injured, does international break this weekend? I, I, I think, you know, it's it's highly unlikely, but if those two players are both to get injured, I think it probably would be Morales up front, yeah. Yeah. And, what you know, we were there at Anfield last season when Morales even, you know, played... And you might as well have been out there in the derby. You're depressing me with this now. Yeah. Anyway. Move on. Move on. Yeah. You what do you mean? Okay, so something to lighten the mood. <laughs> is uh, Whenever Ross, we say this, it never really I know, exactly. lightens the mood, does it? Ross Barkley has been linked this week with a, to the midfield collecting side. Midfielder collecting side of the Premiership. They've already got 94 midfield players. And now they want to add... Ross Barkley to the ranks, Spurs. How is that lightning the mood? So somebody's come in and bid money to take Ross Barkley away, and that's that. your idea of lightening the mood. No, that's why I was laughing because it was it, that was the next bit on the news agenda. Yeah, the rumor is that um, you know Everton have put a twenty million pound price tag on Ross Barkley, uh, and Spurs are willing to to pay that money in January. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I just we, we, our, our trials down there didn't go too well, though, did they? No, no, we. Uh, we weren't young enough, apparently. We weren't, so, we weren't midfield enough. Yeah, <laughs> we weren't central midfield enough. I mean, if Ross Barkley wants to go and sign for Spurs and battle his way and get half a game, you know, every season just due to the squad rot- rotation plan, then, then fair on him. But I don't think he'd want to. Why would he want to go to Tottenham? No, he's going to move. He's going to go to, you know, Chelsea yeah. or United or some of these. Why would he want to go to Tottenham? Yeah, he's just one of those sides around us. They're not, not necessarily. Uh, you know, they're not leagues ahead of us. Yeah. Are they even that much ahead of us? You know, well, clearly they're not. Within touching distance, and I think he'd rather stay and take us above them. Uh, what could help him do that is he is looking increasingly likely to be getting his international debut, starting debut, on Friday night. Yeah, Friday night against Ghana. For England. Uh, obviously, the, the the England squad have had a number of uh, dropouts, shall we say? And surprisingly, they all seem to play for Liverpool, which you, makes you wonder if they're a bit nervous about the derby, really. Yeah. So uh, Stephen Gerrard's had a hip replacement, apparently. Oh, has he? Yeah. yeah. But he'd be fit for the derby. Of course. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, Sturridge has uh, hurt his back with his daft dancing. Right. Okay. Did his, the handle of his teapot fall off and start to be glued back on? <laughs> yeah. Um, and Swallows, Swallows bitten. Ah, right, okay. Because he, uh, he just can't. Um, also likely to start. Uh, Baines is likely to start, would you say? Or do you think Cole's going to get his place back? No, we see. I think he, he seems to like to play Baines, doesn't he? Give him time in, in the friendly games and I, things. So I think when it comes to the World Cup. And yeah, he'll, he'll just go, he'll take him all the way to Brazil and probably not play him at all. A set to start, Jags. Yeah. So him and Kale look to have got that. I think they're partner. nailed on as the centre half partnership, and I would have thought that you'd want to get play them in every game now up until the World Cup as much as you can to try and build up that partnership. Yeah. Uh, so Baines is likely Barkley three of them. I think the three that might start. I really do. I think bizarrely the team is going to be made up of Everton and Southampton players. The way things are looking. So. Barry not quite made it yet. No, I think probably Barry's age is going to go against him. I think there's going to be a cull of players after this World Cup. You know, your Lampard, your Gerrard. So I think 
probably rather than save himself a job of finishing Barry's international career after the World Cup, I don't think Hodgson's got any plans on restarting it at the moment. Unless, you know, I mean, I'm just, just having a little bit of a talk about the top opta players in the league. And Jags, Baines and Barry are all in there. Really? Yeah. So I think that that's, it's based on tackle rate and pass rate, you know, rather than like, you know, the glamorous stuff like goals and assists. It's like, it's all ground covered and all stuff like that, isn't it? And Do you think Roy Hodgson is much of a, an opta aficionado? Pass. While we're on these lists, you know, these daft lists that come out about the world of football, yeah. I was reading one just a minute ago, which was the top 25 worst players to ever play in a premiership. Yeah. Everton had two entrants in it. Uh, there was Pierre Coldruff and Lee Waifang. Pierre Coldruff, who cost £5 million pounds per 45 minutes of games played. <laughs> that he only played one half. I thought it was value for money myself. I think I've said it before, but I, I saw him warming up one game, and uh, the whoever the, the trainer was throwing the ball up, you know, like, as they do for central defenders, you know, was, and you meant to head it at its highest points to clear it, and everyone was going off like like Dika Joy's headers. I was expecting us to have at least five or six, and not twenty-five. The fact that Dante and Joe weren't there just well, I don't think there was an overall fee on them too, so that's why that's how they scraped them. <laughs> um, uh, another list, uh, Man U's shopping list, which was a bit interesting. Yeah, well, it's the Daily Mail again, right, so right, okay. our favourite publication, the Daily Mail. Daily Mail did a story midweek, basically saying that, you know, somehow they had David Moyes' top 10 transfer targets for January for Man United. I don't know where this had been leaked from. I'm sure he doesn't just have like a little scrap of paper, the back of a ciggy packet or something like that. No, he, he's office. got an iPhone, he's got the little notes app and uh, it got hacked apparently. Oh, right, okay. Uh, well, I mean, the players on the list, you know, there was a few from Real Madrid, there was uh, Modric, Di Maria, a couple from Dortmund. He's obviously watched one or two Champions League games this year anyway. Uh, but the interesting thing was there was a couple of left-backs on the list. Uh, a couple of defenders that you know you had Marcelo uh, and then you had uh, Contral obviously they were linked to it back in the summer who's a left back uh, and also Luke Shaw from Southampton who's a left back yeah, and a name omitted from the list was Leighton Baines I've got a theory on this go on well it's not really a theory it's just I saw I saw, I saw a, like a, a, on a news, a news article the front cover that will upset David Moyes something weird like that and it was just the fact that Leighton Baines is on the front cover of this month's Everton magazine, choosing his best tunes and favourite bands. So is it just because David Moyes isn't a fan of indie music? Yeah, it must be. Yeah, he, he said he's not allowed. You're not allowed to bring guitars into the club. So that's that's what's upset him apparently. And that that front cover means that Baines isn't going to United. So well done, Everton. Press, whoever does. From what I've heard, David Moyes was absolutely disgusted that there was no Proclaimer songs uh, in Baines' top ten. Is that right, yeah? Yeah, that's, that's what I've heard. Right, okay. Um, <clears throat> he loves a bit of letter from America, does David Moyes. So, staying on lists, though, uh, we've got our own shopping list again, apparently, and I'm sure... It's you starting these rumours because Clint Dempsey has once again. Go on, Clint! Uh, been linked with a move to Everton in the, uh, the, the winter break. 
You've heard it from me first, it's a done deal. You've heard it from him first, second, third, fourth. He's the one man Clint Dempsey uh, campaign to sign for Everton. As soon as we've signed Dempsey, I'm telling you, Billy's on his way back as well because <laughs> I'm going back to that. Also linked with Will Hughes again, who's an exciting prospect from the Championship at Derby. Pass. He's a good young player, yeah, highly rated. Yeah. I know Man United have been sniffing around him, Liverpool have been sniffing around him. Um, but we're bound to be linked with players like that. I saw something, uh, I don't even know whether this is newsworthy, my comment on this, but apparently we're looking to Scotland to sign a replacement for Leighton Baines, who isn't going anywhere anyway. So A couple of other players have been bandied around this week. I mean, I heard Joe Ledley from Celtic, which, you know, seems about five years too late. And if at all. Yeah, yeah I don't really rate him either. Two leagues. Yeah, too high. Yeah, uh, and Tom Ince, that room is starting to, going, to pop up again. Yeah, so there's probably some truth in that one, I would have thought, because it, it's refusing to go away. Uh, what I did get, what I did see the other day as well as a player possibly leaving Everton, uh, Johnny Heitinger, oh, linked to Fiorentina. A million? Yeah, well, I've heard between a million and, and 1.5. Yeah, well, he doesn't fancy him, does he? I don't think he's in the plans at the moment, is he? And obviously, you know, with Stones knocking on the door. Um, yeah, I could see. I think I could see Johnny H going in in January. Okay, and uh, uh, loan news again. <laughs> Is it with Elias? No, it's uh, garbage scored the weekend. So you know he, he's impressing at left back. And who are they playing against? A pass. <laughs> <laughs> Tune and in next week, folks, for our highly uh, informative Luke Garbutt update. And uh, Duffy played again. So. <laughs> Velios, take note, get in the game, scoring yeah. goals. That's you, what you, you, you can go and play for the likes of Brentford or or Sheffield United if you want. Yeah. Hey, why, why doesn't he just go to Tramia for the, a couple of months? Because he'd get a game every week, he wouldn't have to move out. If the only thing it's set him back is £1.60 for the tunnel both ways, so £3.20 a day, you know. Easy. Why not? Yeah, good thinking. Good thing, isn't um, Right, okay, so final bit of news is uh, less, away, less moving away from the club a little bit and more into uh, events around the club and our mate Paul, who was doing a number of events, including some away travel to the Arsenal game, which you know about. Yeah, just ticket news, really. Um, obviously, the, I think the Arsenal tickets go on sale the start of this week from memory. Um, and... Uh, since 1878.co.uk are doing ticket packages uh, and I think the prices are £65 for adults. Is that right? I think so, it sounds about right. £65 for adults, coaching, ticket uh, and 50 something, £58 for the children, I think. I, th- I thought it was a lot less, quite a bit less. No, that's, uh, that's for the... Uh... You were supposed to write this down. Right, I think you said £63. You made me look a right fool there, Johnny. Yeah, well, sorry. Didn't need much help. Anyway, it's cheap. It's a good coach, uh, and it's a good day out. So if you fancy going to Arsenal, get in touch with ourselves, and we can sort that. And it's at the Emirates, not the Etihad. <laughs> it is, yeah. And I must say, if anyone's thinking about going to an away game, there was a bit of a thing on Facebook the other day uh, where there was uh, somebody was saying about they disagree with the club's policy for issuing away tickets because they were basically saying, "I've never been to an away game before. Would really love to try. However, can't get a ticket." Because they like gold dust, because the same people go to the away games every week, blah, blah, blah. If you do fancy going to your first away game, you will struggle getting tickets from the club. 
However, you go to a supporters club like since 1878, then you you are much more likely to get a ticket. So that you, Arsenal one, I mean the Emirates is uh, the Emirates is the best ground I've ever been to. It's yeah. better than Wembley. It's like got cushioned seats, loads of leg room, and it, it, they don't sacrifice space for it, do they? It's just still like sixty thousand plus, just. Mm. Amazing view from every part of the ground. I've been to Wembley a few times. I've been to Old Trafford. I've been to Etihad. I've been to Anfield. I've been to everywhere. And apart from Goodison Park, the Emirates is the best ground in the country. Apart from when we went a few seasons ago and we had that fellow who's had a few on the way. Somebody did actually puke on my shoe at the Emirates, yeah. <laughs> it was a little bit worse for wear, wasn't it? We were swimming through it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have to remind me of that for? Yeah, but that's not typical. That's not typical. And he was not with us. He, he was some other. <laughs> he, was, he was on some other coach, probably. I feel sorry for his mates having yeah. to look after them as well. He, he was clearly from Happy Owls or Hands Tours. Yeah, and also, since 1878, home games, he's doing uh, four package deals for upcoming games. It's all games except for the Derby, because I think that's pretty much... So there's Stoke, um, Fulham, Southampton, and the other one is... I'm making myself look stupid again, Sunderland. Sunderland, yes. And those ones are £55 for five hours of drinking, one guest speaker at least... Uh, and you get to meet in Greece, get stuff signed, autographed, and he, he relive some past blues memories, a match ticket, and a bite to eat, and a company, and a sing song with all of us mad blues in a bar close to the ground. So, 55 quid. 55 quid. Bargain. Bargain indeed. Okay. It's probably not a bargain if you're listening to this, and obviously this is, you know, global. This is a global show, this. Don't forget that. So, it's probably not a bargain if, for instance, you live in America or Australia and you've got to spend about £1,200 on flights. However, if you live in Liverpool or the surrounding areas, well, bargain. I don't know, though, because if you want to spend that money anyway and then you were just going to go sit in a pub and buy a ticket and have a bite to eat and try and harass a former Everton legend, still a bargain. Yeah, yeah fair enough. I'll have that. Okay, and that pretty much wraps up the news. If you've got interest in any of those tickets, feel free to get in touch with us and we'll put you on to Paul or we'll just sort it out ourselves. And if you need the links for our Facebook and everything else, uh, we might have something that could help you. Shazam. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, not bitter, just better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. I'm Duncan McKenzie. I'm not bitter, just better. Thanks for that, Duncan. Right, well, obviously, this weekend is International Weekend. Again. Again, and it just couldn't have come at a worse time. Could it, if there's ever a weekend you don't want... And international, it's the week before the derby. Yeah, because so it's just dragging out the tension. And also, we're just we're worrying about our players getting injured. You know, luckily enough, McCarthy plays at the weekend, and we were worrying that he might might have got a booking. And Barry, well, you know, you know Barry get injured, or but they managed to get through unscathed that part of it. But then they could just go away on international duty, not Barry, but McCarthy, Lukaku, Morales, Baines, Barkley, Jags. Tim Howard. Yeah, I mean, having a very early first look at the derby, um, 
we haven't really got any injury problems to worry about at the moment, have we? Not at the moment. So yeah, it is a very, very, very early look. So we won't like we won't really speculate over the team lineup as such just yet. But we'll talk a little bit about what Derby Day means to us. I'll tell you what it means to me. It means feeling sick and just hating the whole day, unless we win. Unless you win, and then and then it just turns into the hangover. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much go with that. Yeah. Uh, I suppose it's it's, wor- it's worse for you, isn't it? Because you work with you have a lot of banter with the lads you work with. And when I work, used to work in a shop, it was it was horrible because if you lost the game, suddenly all the full kit wankers used to turn up and go shopping and you know. Well, it, it, you know, with Liverpool Football Club, you're always going to get full kit wankers everywhere, aren't you? That's but, just but a given. Even more of them. Even more of them. Even more of them. They probably even have the soft ties on if they win the derby. Yeah. The thing is. You see them around when Liverpool are playing at home and away or on, on, on the telly, and you see them around everywhere. So why aren't they watching the match? But if you if they win the game, you you, you see the same people again wearing the wearing the shirts and all like walking in with a little horrible little swagger, and they're, like they're not going to say anything, and they just give you a no and look, and they're like. <laughs> you know exactly what I mean, don't you? Well, it's that age-old cliche, isn't it? You know, a derby game means so much because it's it's the bragging rights in the city, and, and it's you know it, it's the fact that you, when you go into work, you, you have you know the power to lord it over your, your colleagues or your mates or whoever else. I'm in a fortunate position because I, I just don't be mates with Liverpool supporters because they're all horrible and I hate them all. <laughs> Easy, simple. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about that, but yeah, there are people. It's, it's starting to, you know, a few years ago. It, it, I don't know whether it says uh, how far we've come as a club, or how far they've dropped, or a mixture of both. But it was a game that they never used to really bother with as such, was it? You know? No, they used to do that whole looking down on us, saying we don't really care about playing news. We only care about playing Man United. But, but now. Now, of course, they're it is. worse than us, aren't they? Yeah, they call it definitely. I, I wanted to have a little. They will be more nervous than ever next week. I wanted to have a little bit of a discussion now about the not bitter, just better name, and you know the fact that they call us bitters. You know, we call them red, sh- red shites, gobshites, copites. You know, copites, gobshites, cag, whatever. We call them all. You know, full kit wankers because most of them are season t- ticket waiting list. Uh, telly clappers, telly clappers, telly pullians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's there's loads. The list goes on, and they call us they call us bitters, um, and that's all they can ever come up with. That's all. That's I, the one. I know. And oh, blue shite. Blue uh, five times, five times, and you know. Remember. Well, they don't call us five times. No, that they, makes no sense. But they it? just they just throw that in there everywhere. But you know, who cares? But uh, we've had a few reasons to be quite aggrieved in Derby days over the past few years. If you think about, for example. A few years ago, uh, 92nd minute, Sander Vesterveld goes to take <laughs> a free kick just outside his, uh, his penalty area. Former red, but blue at the time, Don Hutchison, strolls across his path. Vesterveld doesn't wait, he just takes the free kick. It's probably in the 90, 91st minute and 40th second, and there were two minutes of injury time. It cannons off Hutchison. And slowly, slowly, slowly edges its way towards the goal. Ends up in the goal down the Gladys Street, which would have gave Everton a win. But no, Graham Paul shit himself and blew the whistle as it crossed the line. Ten seconds early, 
and he said, well, he was blowing the whistle anyway. So that was one example. That was one of my you know, strongest memories of a well, well, I, I want to pick the whole... Uh, Jack Rodwell getting sent off tackle against Luis Suarez. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? That was one of the, that was one of his earliest offences. Jack, right? Luis Suarez was basically in one half of the pitch, and yeah. Jack Rodwell was in the other half of the pitch. So how he is supposed to have fouled him? I've got no idea, and that completely destroyed that game. There was also the game where, which was the one where Couch scored two. Penalties where it's just one where he karate kicked Neville yeah, in the face, <laughs> pretty much in the face, yeah. And you know, and that's not a sole incident, is it? Um, we got Gerard where he, he nearly cost Gary Naismith his right ball, yeah. <laughs> and I, st- I can still hear that scream. Um, I still have nightmares about that scream. <laughs> <laughs> You've got Jamie Carragher uh, with a mixture of playing basketball in his own penalty area and wrestling Lescott to the ground on a number of occasions down the Gladys again and doing a little bit of a pantomime villain kind of thing like laughing laughing about it with the fans um, but then on the other side of things you know oh there's yes. always them little incidents where that make you love Derby isn't it I mean I remember Danny Kadamati ripping Beyond Talk of Army a new arsehole one year yeah um, that, that, that always sticks to my mind because let's face it Kadamati was rubbish and you think about you think about it. Big Joe Royal's first game as a blue, and Big Dunk's first ever goal for, for Everton, which just like you know turned him into a, an immediate hero for us. And uh, you know he had a big part in the second goal again. You know two 0 on that day, and we were a very very poor side at that time as well. See, it doesn't even need to be a victory. To you know, it can be the small things in derbies that I mean, like let's face it, Stephen Gerrard running the whole end of the pitch, <laughs> yes. sliding on his knees, celebrating a win for Liverpool when the goal was clearly offside by Luis Suarez. Clear, um, he was at least a mile offside. <laughs> it was his teeth were offside. Yeah, well. He, he was born offside that lad, and then and then Gerard doing that and the, the game and the goal not being like given was just hilarious. We haven't we haven't had the best of a looking derbies over over the past few years though, and, and as you you know, but we we have had a few, which unfortunately uh, one of them was missed uh, by ITV, which caused a bit of controversy a few years ago. I think it was the uh, the FA Cup game where Gosling. Did his only good thing ever in a blue shirt <laughs> before sacking us off. <laughs> and, uh, Stra- the strange, uh, strange little story about that. I was actually watching that game. I was, I obviously always try and arrange holidays around Everton fixtures, uh, because that was that was a replay. Uh, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen, so I was up in the Lake District, uh, and. It never cut off in the Lake District. All oh, right, so it must have, must have been a regional Yorkshire, not Yorkshire. Uh, Granada thing, I think yeah. it was, yeah, because it stayed on. So I, I never understood what everyone was banging on about after the game. Well, I was there at the ground, and it was. Did it just go dark in the ground? Yeah, it was loopy. <laughs> it just went loopy. Um, I'm trying to think of some other good memories. Obviously, the three 0 where Rainer just made an absolute tit of it. The Andy Johnson game. Andy Johnson game, yeah, and the you know, celebrations on that were just amazing. Um, yeah, but I'm hoping we can come out with a happier memory. But even after going through all them happy memories, I'm still fooling myself. Yeah, well... And it's only going to get worse, isn't it, over the next I think, 10 days or so? I, as much as I, I, I do panic about it and I'm, I am worried about it, and, you know, it is, it's a very, very stressful game and it's turned into a very, very bad-tempered game over the years as well. I think looking at it at the moment, though, it's a six-pointer as well. 
and I know that that's a that, that's a cliche that gets thrown round, but you know, if we win it, we're on level points with Liverpool. It, it, the funny thing is, if we win that game, uh, you look at the fixture Man United have got. Basically, Everton, Liverpool, and Man United would all be on level points, and we could be third, fourth, and fifth. Yeah. But, you know, if Liverpool win that game, they're then six points ahead of us. And we did, did, we've got a couple of other tough games coming up, haven't we? You know, United, Arsenal. Um, so, I think it's a six-pointer. And I think there's a lot riding on this game. I really do. It's just, I just don't, I don't like, you know, I don't like to predict anyway. But with our form being the way it is, you know, we've, we've lost once. It's a derby, some form doesn't I know, matter. I know. Well, that's what that's what I'm saying. We, our form being what it is, we've lost once in 2013 at, at Goodison, and you, it's just be just like those horrible scumbags to just. Yeah, but it, that can work things. Yeah, you look at the the form guides and say they're the highest scoring Premiership team in in the whole of 2013. So their their fans are probably sitting there. You know, their version of us doing. The shitty Liverpool podcast somewhere, you know, which will be terrible. Won't be anything and, to and like that. In Norwegian, I'm probably a Norwegian. So Bjorn and his mate Benny are probably sitting there now talking about, you know, oh, I'm a bit. I can't do Norwegian. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> that was. <sad. laughs> I don't even know what that was. Sounded like a bit like summer, summer or something. <laughs> <laughs> but they're probably sitting there now saying. Well, we're the highest scorer in the league all year. We probably go there and not score because that's the way things go in a derby. So, I think it's a one-off game. We need to see Barry get in there. We need to see McCarthy get in there. We need to rattle them uh, and just not let them play. Just don't let them play. Yeah, well, well, Let's wind Suarez up as well because he'll go off his head. Yeah, I think that's you know he, he won't have been in a, you know he'll have been in a hostile environment since he's come back, but nothing like what he's going to get at Goodison. And plus, you never know with that lad. We don't know which uh, sexually transmitted diseases he's going to catch from getting into Jordan this week. Do we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Jordan jokes continue. Um, so Sturridge is out for the England game, so he's probably going to make it, isn't he? Because yeah, yeah we all know that Sturridge and Gerrard haven't got knocks; they're just getting rested. Yeah, Gerrard's getting rested. Um, well, I, I think we've, we've, I think we've got a good chance. Uh, what I, what I was going to add before was, even when we've lost over the past years, the past few years, I, I think we can nearly always take a moral victory, which doesn't really count for that much. But you know, if they're you know shouting their heads off or whatever, you're bound like to take a moral victory from when you're playing a team with no morals, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, you know, but they, they've had, they've had a few helping hands. The game where we went to last season, kind of with Pat Van Den in Anfield, and they had the disallowed goal from Distan. Um, so we took a moral victory there. It was nil nil, but we, you know, the fact that they had no atmosphere uh, and they were pretty rubbish, and we had a goal disallowed. We and they, they had signs slagging off their own players. Graham yeah. Sunes didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. So scum, scum, scum. And um, we, um, so I think we, we got a, we got a sneaky one nil in, you know, in our in our heads. Anyway, but obviously we're we're going to talk. A lot more about the derby uh, going into next week's podcast. Next week's podcast will be a derby special, basically. Yeah, so. we'll have some team news. I'm, I'm sure I'll, I can root out some clips as well, and uh, you know, probably our Hall of Fame will probably be derby related as well. I just want to ask you a quick question now. We weren't going to talk about team selections now, but I want to just put one thing to you. There's a lot of talk about people saying you want Delafayu to be started ahead of Morales. 
just before you put your side of it, I know Ian Snowden's come out today in an interview and said this is certainly, certainly not the game to give Dan Lafayette his first start in the league. Uh, What's your thoughts? That's another one that can go one or two ways. The thing is, Morales, who we were heralding as, you know, who's going to be our player of the season, he just hasn't done it. So, Delafeu, what what are you risking? But you you can have the Morales who turns up at the game at Anfield last year where he just disappeared through the whole game. Or you can have the Morales who turns up in the first half of the Derby at Goodison when he just destroyed... Andre Wisdom's career for Liverpool never to be seen again when he tore him apart for 45 minutes so you just don't know what Morales will turn yeah. up no that's I mean that's a good point yeah but uh, the thing the thing what I worry about is uh, with Delafeo is we've had players who've come on and you know made it made the debut uh, sorry not debuts or like, kind of flair-ish players and you know the, the, the players we've had sent off in derbies. We've had Van der Meer sent off. I think we've had Pina sent off. We've had Arteta sent off. I don't think has got a tackle in them. I don't think it's. I, I don't. It's it's the likes of petulance or something like a late, like a late challenge because they're just off the pace or whatever because they're a flair player and they're not expecting a bit of a Spanish hissy fit or something. Yeah, or you know, just because because he's a flair player and not used to challenging. Everybody's got a challenge in a derby, and with the flair players. They're the ones who can sometimes uh, overcook it a little bit, and I worry a little bit. I would like to see our midfield uh, be uh, McCarthy, Barry, Barry Owen, Tommy Gravison, Alan Ball, Joe Parkinson, Joe, Joe, Joe Parkinson. Joe Parkinson. If we pack them the, the midfield out with them, uh, I think we can. Uh, we should do it quite easily. Yeah. Um, well. I, I think you know I've got no fears over our the defensive and tackling side of our midfield. Uh, we've talked about what a good partnership defensively McCarthy and Barry are. It's just out of you know you've got three midfield slots there, and we will talk about it more. It's just which which players is he going to go for? Because it seems like a player can have a couple of good games, and then just have that one. You can't really carry on that form, and I suppose that's just the way it is. You can't. I think what we all need to do is start praying now that this is the game that is like Ross Barkley's turning point. You know, the, the yeah. game that makes him, you know, you, you always remember like with Rooney where he had that game against Arsenal and that's where he really broke onto the scene. You know, imagine if Ross Barkley did something special in this derby. Yeah, it could be Barkley's derby, it could be Barkley's uh, defining moments. Yeah, hopefully. It that, could be it could be Delafeo's. No, let's stick with Ross Barkley. It could be the game, but Jelovic comes good. Imagine, imagine that, just going in off his You just get over Jelovic. <laughs> You're boring me with this now. No, I'm just saying, it, it, you know, more likely, you know, who scored in last season's, Naismith and Osman. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so we'll leave our, you know, our little, uh, little bit of a preview, preview uh, of the derby there. And, you know, I... I Paul, uh, since 1878, he's tweeted, tweeted us and he's asked us to have a look at the, the four games, you know, tough games ahead. And I think out of them, that the Derby at home, that's probably... Which games is he asking us to look at? So he's asking us to look at the Derby, Stoke, United and Arsenal? Yeah. Right, OK. That, and he wants to know how many points we think we're going to get. Well, just looking at those games, you know... Out of, out I think we're going to get 12. <laughs> 
<laughs> Drop that. Um, realistically, 12. Could we... Would you be happy with 6? No, 12. 12. Okay, we'll have 12 points then. If not 12, 11. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll have to do some... Uh, <laughs> Do some creative uh, scoring. <laughs> right, okay, we'll leave that there and we shall be back in a sec. Lee Carsley! And the goalkeeper couldn't keep it out. Johnson's got another. Everton have scored three in the derby for the first time since 1966. It's a calamity for Pepe Reina. What a mess this Goalkeeper Rainer makes of this. Right, Mark, it's that time once again. It's time for the Not Bitter, Just Better Hall of Fame. And what player are we putting in this week? No. We're no. not putting a player in, no. We're doing something we've only ever done once before, which was uh, we're going to induct a match into our Hall of Fame. Now, previously we did it with uh, when we won the league down at Norwich, and we did that game where Van der Nauw scored uh, and won Everton the league in 87. Um, but this time, we're going to put a derby in. A derby? Uh, not, not that one with the disallowed goal, no. No, we're going to do the one, uh, we're going to do Anfield away last year with Steven Gerrard scored a hat-trick. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Definitely not that one. <laughs> we, that will never ever get mentioned on this podcast again. Uh, we're going to do the one that we've previously talked about before when we were recapping yeah, some of our favourite memories. Being come to be known as the Andy Johnson derby. The Andy Johnson derby is the game that we're doing, so the Andy Johnson derby and... I suppose, in a way, Andy Johnson then is going into our Hall of Fame. Uh, so we're going back to Saturday the 9th of September 2006. What a day. What a day. What a day. It was definitely a hangover weekend that weekend. Um, and as we say, Merseyside Derby that day. Should we go? Should we have a little look at the teams that lined up first? Yeah, off? it's a bit of a blast from the past. Uh, we'll do the shite first, shall we? Because... <laughs> they had uh, Rainer, who hates them now. That's yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Finnan. Steve Finnan. I think, he hates, I think he hates them now. Yeah. Jamie Carragher loves Everton now, hates yeah. Liverpool. We discussed this last week. But still, so. boom. Uh, Sammy Hippier hates them. Boom. Uh, Aurelio. No one even cares no about him, does he? Steven Gerrard. Uh, Alonso hates them. Yeah. Got, got out as soon as he, he saw it, it was a sinking ship. Uh, Sissoko. Boom. Hates them. Uh, Lewis Garcia. Boom. Robbie Fowler. Boom. Uh, and Peter Crouch. Boom. Uh, so that was the Liverpool side. Uh, for the Mighty Blues. Yeah. I'm not uh, going to go through all of them. No, we had Timmy Howard. We had uh, Tony Ibbe. Yobo. Lescott. Who? Yobo. Whatever happens to Jewish of Yobo. Maybe we should, we should do another crime watch on Yobo. Anyway, I digress. We sold them. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's got uh, Naismith, not Stephen Naismith, Gary Wombal Naismith. Gary Wombal Naismith. <laughs> uh, uh, Leon Osman, Phil Neville, Carsley, Arteta, Timmy Cahill, and Andy Johnson. So only one remaining, or one or two? Uh, still at the club, Howard, Hibby. I mean, sorry, Osman. I meant team. Yeah, Osman and Howard still regular first teamers and Hibbert still ah, there. Tony's still knocking about, isn't he? Um, what did I, I, I didn't remember this, but we had Van der Meijer on the bench for this game. Did we? We did. <laughs> we had our subs with uh, Richard Wright, Davey Weir, 
and Van der Maide, and the two subs who got on uh, was uh, James Beattie got the last 10 minutes for Leon Osman, and Nuno Valente came on in the 90th minute for Arteta. Fair enough. So it was only five subs in those days. There was, yeah. Uh, and obviously, as we say, uh, it was a 3-0 victory to the Blues, uh, and the first goal was on 23 minutes when uh, Tim Cale... Yeah, broke it, broke through the defence, and uh, I'd like to say it was a great, incisive bit of play, <laughs> but it was just an absolute shambles on their part, wasn't it? <laughs> it just they were awful, weren't they? The defence that game were absolutely terrible. It was awful. If Carragher had had that performance on one of his Monday night footballs, and he was having to analyse himself. He, he, he would run out of time because it was <laughs> Gary Neville would have a field day wouldn't he Gary he'd Neville. be absolutely he'd be rolling on the floor pissing himself he'd be raffling he'd be doing raffle copters and everything <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah so Tim Cahill I'd like to say he took on nine players uh, you know and scored a messy like goal but uh, basically he just walked through the shambolic Liverpool defence slotted it Went pelting it over to the corner of the, uh, the Bullens and the Gladys. He used to always run to the other corner, didn't he? But for some yeah. reason, he went to the, the Bullens and the Gladys. Yeah. Gave it the old Rocky 1-2 on the corner flag. I missed that. And the Gladys were going mental. Yeah, going mental. 1-0 up. Uh, and then that was followed by uh, Andy Johnson's first goal. Yeah, so it was a bit of a punt upfield. And um, Carragher's challenge for, for the ball. But then, out of the corner of his eye, he spots... Uh, the intimidating Andy Johnson with his size uh, bearing down on him. Do you think maybe he didn't speak, spot Andy Johnson and in his head he thought Duncan Ferguson was playing? Oh, yeah, well, like, that would explain it because he kind of shit um, himself, shit himself, airballed it, uh, and then uh, it just put Andy Johnson clean through and he slotted down to where uh, Rainer's left. Yeah, so, and, and Everton. Good little finish. Great little finish, Everton with 2 0 up. AJ goes off with his little uh, two fingers and the uh, other finger across celebration, which well, I can never work out. Was it just was it an A? a? Just, just an A, a wasn't it? Yeah. Andy. Just a. Andy. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, obviously we like to be impartial on this podcast, so we'll have to give Liverpool a due. They had a couple of chances, but let's move on. Um, it's, and, uh, I know, and then as we get into the second half, um, Pepe Reina decides to take a few leaves out of the Jamie Carragher uh, defensive book of the day. Yeah, comedy of errors, really. Uh, so, Carsley has a dip. And <laughs> next thing I know, I don't even, I think, I think we probably turned away in down the Gladys thinking, uh, oh, you know, decent effort, but, you know, turned around. Next thing, uh, he's flapping the ball like it's a hot coal. Up, up in the air and Johnson's on him and nods it in and then Rainer's trying to wrestle with Andy Johnson's head as, as he's going off to celebrate number two for himself and number three for the Blues yeah I mean, <laughs> this goal always makes me laugh whenever I see it it's, it's like, I love the way he runs into the goal and like sort of throws the ball behind him when it's like three feet behind the line yeah. and AJ runs off with his little late celebration again and this time Pops up a little two fingers as well, just to just signal his uh, second goal against the shite. Which uh, did, he, did he hold two fingers up or three? Didn't he do three nil? Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah he three did. fingers and a nil sign because it was an iconic picture for a while, wasn't it? Oh, the yeah. old giving it the old three nils to the camera. And that was probably his his, uh, his best moment as a blue. Do you remember that we actually should have won four nil? No. 
right in the last minute or so, Gary Naismith, of all people, ran through and had just like one of the easiest chances I've ever seen. And uh, I think he, he blasted over the top of the bar. Oh, right, no, don't remember that. I mean, I should have put it right out of sight. Yeah. Um, but we were watching the highlights of this game before and, you know... It, it was just one of them games where everything went right for Everton. I mean, we were, we were winning all the 50-50s. We were pressuring them, you know. Apparently, they could have had a penalty. No, well, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, so, but Kale was there, Arteta was there, you know. And I, there was a cracking little bit in the clip there with, uh, Art, with Kale. He absolutely smashed... It was hard to see because the, the footage was a bit rubbish on YouTube. But he smashes through the back of someone, leaves him in a heap. It might have been Callagher actually. Just leaves them lying on the floor. And as he gets up, Kale, he like pats them on the back of the head as if to say, unlucky lad. And then walks off in front of the Gladys. And all the cards are like going mental. And he's just looking at the Gladys, laughing his head off as if to say, that that's what this game means. And yeah. that's what we need. We need a Tim Kale to step up this week, don't we? Yeah, needless to say, I mean, we'd have one of them. I mean, anywhere close to that, that day's uh, atmosphere. Um, result, you know, a one nil, a two one, you know, a, you know, if they defend like they did on that game, you know, Lukaku should have a field day. Ross Barkley pushing on should have a field day. Osman, as I said before, Osman and Naismith got goals in the last Goodison one, which was a two two, wasn't it? Um, but if, if they defend anything like that, which you know. Individually, they're, they're all right defensively, aren't they? But, you know, that's, Sacco hasn't completely impressed me. Scale never impresses me as much, uh, that much. And Aga... This is, our, this is our match preview for next oh, week. Oh, yeah, now. sorry, sorry. We'll leave that there. Um, but going back to that game, I mean, after, after the game, obviously, you know, looking at some of the interviews that took place, uh, David Moyes said... Oh, hi. Andrew Johnson is an unbelievable striker and is going to get goals. That sound like David Moyes. No. Oh, right, okay. He didn't really go on to get that many goals either, did he, AJ? No. It was a, it was a, it was a funny, it was funny as a spell of Everton, wasn't it? It was like, when he first came onto the scene, he, he really gave us, I mean, he really gave us another option. And then he did really well. And then he kind of got found out a little bit. And we got found out a little bit. And we paid, what, 8.6 million for him. And then we upgraded and got short of him. Who did we upgrade to? Was it? Eleven million. Was it? Wasn't BT? Was it? No, Yakubu. Yeah, it was the yeah. 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 So and it was it was that kind of you know we 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 went through a series of um, seasons where we continually broke our. You know, we were ruined our strikers. Yeah, ruined our strikers, and yeah. Well, yeah. To be honest, yeah. Just he seemed to ruin Andy Johnson more. He seemed to ruin Yakubu, but although I think Yakubu probably ruined himself by having. Seven, seven yeah. burgers per meal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, Rafa Benitez did an you after the game and said this: "We made a lot of mistakes. Yes, no. And in football, you pay for them. Yes, no. In the second half, we went forward and created chances, but couldn't score. Yes, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's, so that's what he said. So basically, he said, oh, was that you? I thought I thought you'd actually dropped a clip in there. That, 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 yeah, <laughs> it's got that one. It? It, was, <laughs> it was funny that other bit on the commentary which we, we didn't include there, and they said uh, Benny says is turning his hair out. <laughs> Why? <laughs> so was Rainer. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so basically what Rafa Benitez said there when he said we made a lot of mistakes in football, he paid for them, he said uh, Liverpool are rubbish, I hate them, one day I'll go on to play for Chelsea, to manage Chelsea uh, and completely turn me back on everything that Liverpool Football Club stands for, the horrible, that's what he said, that, that, that is the translation, the Spanish to English translation, that's what it is, trust me, Google yeah. it. Well, well, fair enough, he's still, he's still a cop he's still a red shy. Uh, in, in our eyes but he, he, he got a little bit of respect from us with, with that statement Yeah, he did then go on though when he was asked about Jamie Carragher's performance in this game he did say I think he was okay but it's not just one player to blame in the defence if you go back and look at that game Jamie Carragher is definitely to blame <laughs> I, for I, that, that game I think Rayner was poor alright Rayner was poor but Jamie Carragher was not okay he was terrible well he got his own back a few seasons but anyway no, we're staying on the high the high do you want to know a little fact about this game? Go on. The attendance on the day reads the same backwards as it does forwards. It was 40,004. Oh, nice one. And the referee was Graham Paul. And, well, he, he, he owes us a few favours as well. But, again, staying on the lights. We're not, all, we're not always too mingly, are we? That's a nice little memory for Evertonians, isn't it? Well, there's a game to go. We'll, we'll all sit there. We're, we'll sit there with, you know... Labone and all the other players were put in in our Hall of Fame match young and we'll all sit there so the DVD on that game uh, and piss ourselves and laugh yeah <laughs> and laugh at Jamie Carragher on the fly now I'm just thinking you know, obviously deviating from our well constructed script which we always use word for word uh, I think next week when we're talking about you know doing the proper derby preview I think we should include uh, listeners memories so we'll probably put a Facebook out uh, close to the time as well. But what are your best memories of a derby, good or bad? I mean, we, we probably will. We, we talked about a few bad memories, and you know, we want to we want to hear those ones as well because they do tell a story. Uh, and as I say, good memories. Uh, we've already had a few people in touch and said about the four four, uh, which you know that's all you have to call it because everybody knows what you mean by that. Uh, people say about Clattenburg, the Clattenburg derby, which is the one I talked about before uh, with Lescott. Uh, getting manhandled by uh, um, Carragher. So, that's what happened when you had a piece of cake for the game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. In that pink and yellow shirt. Um, yeah, so get your thoughts in. And I think that's about it for us this week, isn't it? We have gone uh, approximately one hour and 15 minutes. There <laughs> you go. And was it, was it the Timmy Kale edition today? Yeah, number 17. So, Tim Kale, Lukaku. Limpar, Kinchelskis, who else has been number Well, Gareth? we said we missed Tim Cale's uh, boxing celebration, so I think we'll have it as the Tim Cale. Not Gareth Bradley. Oh, no. No. Not Francis Jeffers. No. No, Tim Cale. The Tim Cale edition of the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast is over. So, next week is the Derby week. We'll be very nervous. It's probably going to be more bitter than this week's was, if that's possible. Uh, we'll see you next week, folks.